three, two, one. Excellent. That is fabulous. It's the bat phone. It was the bat phone. <laughs> I love it when you look down at your phone and it says scam likely. Maybe somebody really wants to buy a timeshare. I don't know. Well, there's, I'm sure there's somebody who really wants to sell it. I have this thing now when I answer the phone, I usually just say Gerald speaking because the automated systems that most of these places use, they listen for hello. And sure. so when I say Gerald speaking, a human immediately responds to that. But if there's that three or four second pause, yep, I just go ahead and hang up. Oh my God, I just had the greatest idea for a bit. Stephen Hawking working at a call center. <laughs> Hello. Is the man or woman of the house home? That is... Oh. <laughs> that is so uh, wrong. It's too soon. It's too soon. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Gerald Griffith is not... A voiceover guy. He's not an agent. He's not a casting director. But he is one of the more influential people in the voiceover industry these days. You see, Gerald is the head of VoiceOver City, helping people improve their communication skills. And he's also the executive producer and creator of VO Atlanta, the now famous largest and must attend voiceover conference event that we all know and love. So, we have lots of questions and lots of conversation. Let's talk voiceover, Gerald Griffith. All right, thanks for the intro. I, I, I thought I was gonna cry in the first part and then I, and then I, I rebounded. Yeah. It's like, yeah. He's I've, not been, this. I've been known to make people cry. <laughs> he's not Usually that. not for that, but uh, yeah, I have been known to make yeah, people cry. When you started off with the, the not this and the not that, I was like, oh my God. I'm, I'm such a failure. <laughs> like I, I, <laughs> Why am I even here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then, then you, re, you no, recovered. It's, it's a VH1 yeah, you, show. You, but you, re, you recovered, and by the end, I was, I was just slightly <laughs> damaged. But you know, I'm all good now. <laughs> Are you kidding? You should be feeling great. That was a Steve Jobs style intro. The world is crashing all around you, but you have an iPod with a thousand songs in your pocket. Well, I guess it's better than your Stephen Hawking version. It's, it's well, no, nothing's here. better than that right now. Okay. Anyway, okay. All right, all right. I'm with you now. All right. So what's going on, guys? How about this? Gerald Griffith is the executive producer and creator of the world-famous VO Atlanta voiceover conference. Better? Yeah, it's all good. Well, since I was not there this year, how'd things go? Uh, you know what? I, I think things went pretty well. Good. Uh, of course, you know, the thing is, as, as the producer of something, you always have two grades. Sure. Right? There's there's your internal grade. Absolutely. Because you know the in front of the scenes and you know the behind the scenes. Sure. Right. And you know how sometimes they're not necessarily the same <laughs> thing. No. No. And and then there's there's the grade you, you give yourself based on right. the feedback and responses of the people who came. Because ultimately, that's what matters, right? It is. It's like, it doesn't matter so much what you think about it or what you felt about it, it matters how the people who attended felt about it. Absolutely. And they seem to have a great time. And so I accept their feedback. And, uh, you know, but I think anytime you produce something, I think you should you should always strive to do so much better. And so if you get to the end of something, you go, oh, my God, you know, 
that was the best. You know, there's <laughs> nothing else for us to do. Then you're probably headed the wrong way. That's but, uh, a good point. You know, I get to the end and I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait. You know, next year we're gonna add this, or we're gonna do this, or we're gonna tweak this different, or do this better. And uh, you know, so yeah, I, I walk away with two grades. But overall, yeah, yeah, people seem to have a great time, and that's what matters to me. So. Well, and everything that I've seen posted online about it is just, you have raving fans everywhere, my friend. Well, that's cool. Now, you don't have a background in VO. What made you get interested in the voiceover business? Well, let me uh, help with that a little bit, <laughs> because uh, because I think that when I set the context of it, people understand where and how and why I fit in the way I do. I see voiceover as a form of communication. And so what I say is that we all learn, master, and manage communication skills. Voiceover happens to be an area in which those skills are applied. So I also like doing public speaking. Mm -hmm. Well, public speaking is an application of communication skills. Sure. I see it as a big umbrella to where voiceover is not separate from public speaking. It's just a different application of communication skills. Well, that makes sense. I don't really slice it. Yeah. Yeah. So in my world, I, I started off even as a young person doing oratorical contests and, and speeches and things like that. And I've done Toastmasters. I've done public speaking at different venues. I spent uh, probably six months uh, while I was in the Army part-time as a radio announcer. Okay. So I've been in a radio booth, you know, carting up commercials and, and playing songs and taking requests and things. Oh, see, like now you're that. showing so, your age. When you said carting up commercials, <laughs> that's, true. that's uh, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Carts haven't been around in about 15 years or more, so. Showing my age, too, because that just went right through. Like, I just accepted it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, carting commercials. Oh, wait, that's right. Oh, yeah, Nobody yeah, does yeah. that anymore. Yeah, those damn carts. It's, uh, yeah, no, no. Well, no, it shows your age as well because you actually knew what it was. So. <laughs> <Yep>. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the classic thing of you, you got to be one to know one or something. There you, you know? go. There uh, you go. But no, so so I've got I've always had an exposure to what I consider the audiovisual services uh, arena. Um, even as a kid, I, I managed like the the tape um, ministry at church. So oh, cool. I was re responsible for the recordings and then duplicating all the tapes at the end of service that people could uh, purchase at, at the end. Yeah. I did the radio stint. I did, you know, different public speaking things. I've gone into public schools and, and spoken to kids. And then it was just, you know, somewhere along the lines, um, I came across voiceover, you know, when I when I came here to Atlanta around 2011. And uh, to me, again, I just I just see it as an extension of where you can apply your communication skills and communication skills is something I do have experience in. Voiceover is just an area of application. So how did you move from, hey, this is a really cool part of effective communication to I'm going to create a conference and have people show up <laughs> and then have speakers show up and then have everybody kind of work together to happily share information? How did all that evolve? That's a really interesting thing. Well... It all kind of started from the idea of doing a meetup here in the Atlanta area because I was still relatively new. So I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a base of support or, or someone to say, oh, you got to train with this person or, oh, make sure you avoid that place. And so I started a meetup just okay. with the idea of I was like, you know, if I could get 10 to 20 people together, then, you know, that would help give me some insight into it. And then maybe because I have a tech background, you know, I could contribute to people's ability to do the computer stuff or whatever, you know, just the thing like that. And sure. Um, so sure. I started a meetup group and about six months in the meetup group had about 
a hundred people in it. And <laughs> so, so then they started to say, well, hey, you know, there are enough of us to support doing a class. You think we could get a, a trainer or somebody to come in and teach? And so I go, okay, sure. So uh, we started that. Um, uh, Gabby Nistico was our first coach I brought in from Carolina. We did a whole meetup thing around that. We did training that weekend. And so over time, I started coordinating these classes and I was bringing in presenters where possible. And then in between, I started doing blog talk radio so that I could actually bring in presenters to a virtual meetup, no matter where they were. And then that went on for a while. The group continued to grow. We had a few hundred people, you know, in the meetup and uh, people would come to different meetings and things that we would do. Mm -hmm. I was looking and there was like the voice conference and there was that voiceover, which was like in Chicago and New York. The voice conference was in California. And I was like, you know what? Look, this group has really grown here in Atlanta. There's a lot of people here in the Southeast. There are more people coming and trying to do different things. Maybe, just maybe, we could do something in the Southeast and that could be my target market, so to speak. And I figured from Virginia South and Texas East would be kind of you know, where I would try to have an event where people could drive to it. Sure. You know, that was kind of the initial thing was be something for the Southeast, yeah. be drivable. And I literally, when I started off, I had a map on the wall and I, I went in one of the mapping tools. You could put in like the speed you were driving and the amount of time and it would show you a radius of how, how far you right. could drive based right, right. on that information. And so I had a circle and I figured, okay, here's my my target market <laughs> that I want to try to draw from. And I figured it was like an eight-hour drive, eight or 10-hour drive. So the first year, we had 125 people. I had one person that came from Bermuda. And I was like totally pumped up. I was like, oh, my God, somebody came from somewhere <laughs> wow. else. That's generally how it evolved over time uh, with that. And this year, how many people showed up and from where? Okay. Well, um, overall, there were just under 700 people. Holy moly. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So um, we had an entire hotel. We took over the entire hotel and uh, yeah, there just under 700 people in the U.S. We had a young lady come from Alaska. Okay. And 41 other states were represented here in the U.S. And then we had 12 countries other than the U.S. attend, including South oh Africa, gosh. Austria, Canada, Brazil, Mexico, uh, United Kingdom, Luxembourg. Who came from South Africa? Uh, there was a gentleman named uh, Sobo. I think there were a couple of people from Africa, actually. But he was really cool. He actually runs a voiceover academy there in South Africa. And uh, so he was like, ah, oh, I would love to, to work with you and, and, and see maybe what, maybe we can have you come over and, and help us put together a program or something. So I look forward to following up with him. Uh, I, like, I like putting things together. And I think, you know, you mentioned like, well, what drives it and kind of things like that. Yeah, yeah. I think part of what makes it different and and you know, when you listen to people describe it, I don't strive for people to say that they learned so much about voiceover first. I don't want that to be your first reaction. I don't want you to say, oh, my God, I learned so many new microphone techniques or so many, you know, this or that about the agent or something. I want the first remark out of anybody's mouth to always be, I met so many great people. You know what? And and that's really interesting because I haven't gone to one yet. Mm -hmm. I'll admit it freely. I haven't gone to one and I'm starting to really regret it now because 
for a long time, VO Atlanta and a couple of other uh, conferences have popped up and mm-hmm. people started going to them. And I'm thinking, so you're going to a conference to be around other people who are trying to sell the same service that you're trying to sell. And, you know, I mean, I've been very fortunate in my life to know a lot of people and live in places like Los Angeles and New York and have exposure to some great coaches and have uh, some of the top people in the business as friends. And so I'm, I guess... You know, just kind of egotistically, I kind of thought, why would I go? Mm-hmm. You know, but then then as as I started talking to a few people who did go and have gone for years, I, I'm now understanding very clearly that that's exactly what it is. It's not about trying to sell your wares or make the business contacts per se, but it's really about becoming part of a community. And I think that that is absolutely really essential in a business where we spend a good portion of our day in a padded cell <laughs> trying to talk and get paid. You well, know? well, it is. Um, there's a whole lack of other people that I can go for days and sometimes weeks without really having any one-to-one communication with anybody other than just over the phone or Skype or whatever. I will tell you this from my perspective, which is you know maybe going to be a little bit different than Gerald's, but when I went last year, there were a couple of things that really struck me. One... The fact that you put the entire thing in one location. Contrast that with GDC, for instance, where everybody scatters to the wind, you know, especially in the evening. Mm -hmm. And here, everything is in the hotel. The conference is there. You get your meals there. People are running parties. There are events. And it's all in, you know, it's a big hotel, but it's all in this one hotel. And the second thing that, Gerald, you've done, and you and I have talked about this that I think is brilliant is the your name is the only thing on your badge. It's not right. It's not what you do. So hey, it's Brian Talbot. Hi Brian, what do you do? Well, now you've got a conversation going, and right, you have to have a conversation <laughs> yeah. to figure out who it is that you're talking with if you don't already know. Correct, who they are. and so you yes. can't just go cherry pick people and go. Well, I only want to talk to casting directors, for instance. Right. Yeah. Now you get to know people as people, and it changes the entire dynamic. Now, you can still find out that stuff because it's in the program guide and different things like that. But sure. But just as a matter of walking the halls. Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't care so much about your title at that point. I, I want to know who you are as a person. And in fact, one of the things I, I repeat throughout the conference is if all you know about the person is what they do and the title they have at the end of this conference you have failed this exercise miserably. Mm -hmm. I want you to know where they live. I want you to know where they grew up. I want you to know something about their family. I want you to know what their favorite color, you know, because if, if you can find what I call threads and threads are just things that connect people in some way, voiceover is, is a thread, but it's the most obvious one, you know, so you can kind of discount that one for this, this purpose, you know, but if I can find out that we went to the same school, if I find out that we grew up in the same area, if I find out that both of us love seafood, it, you know, it can be anything. But it's something that later on will distinguish you from someone else. I think that you've just hit on something that's rather unique to the voiceover industry. People in the voiceover industry, for the most part, are very willing to help out other people very willing and giving of their time, of their knowledge, and very willing to help other people out. Right. And that's very much what you just explained and described in your definition of what makes a successful conference attendee. Yeah. And I find that 
you know, again, when people come out of the conference, you know, if I were to sit here and flip through some of the nearly 200 surveys, you'll notice that the thing they talk about most is the experience. Then they go into the, oh, and I enjoyed working with this person or this coach or something like that. But it's the sum of the experience. It's one of the things I think which is unique, and this takes people a moment to adjust to, is most networking activities are, what, two hours, three hours long. Yeah. And so it shouldn't really be a surprise that if you've only got two hours in the space where this director or agent or somebody you want to connect with is, there's going to be this tendency that for everybody to corral around and try to get their 15 seconds in, right? Sure. Well, when you come to Vigo Atlanta, it's an entirely different thing because we, we start on a Thursday afternoon and we end the Sunday around noon. So all of that pressure of having to hustle and, and fight your way through to try to get noticed. Target and zone in on somebody, yeah, and then, and then raise the flag, I'm here. Sure. Right. It's really gone. We have a code of conduct that I reiterate at the start of all of it to remind people it's a professional event. So, yes, we're going to have fun. Yes, we're going to, you know, be silly. Yes, we're going to be serious sometimes, but always be professional. It's just one of those things, again, where I think that even the agents and directors and stuff come back a lot of times. And it's like, you know, it was really cool to just have a chance to kind of get to know people without the pressure of everybody just trying to crowd you. You know, people really relaxed. And Mm -hmm. I think especially by lunchtime on Friday, after we've kind of gotten through that initial Mm -hmm. startup mode, By lunchtime Friday, people are really kind of realizing that, you know what, I don't have to act like a dog that's never eaten before here. You know, I can just, you know, I I can, I can relax and I can be a person. And I think that's what's unique about it is like we do community lunch. And so there are no tables for agents or directors or new people or older people in the industry. They're just just lunch tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tables to eat. And so you have people come back like... I can't believe I was, Scott Brick was sitting at my table and and I always jokingly say, for real, Scott Brick was eating lunch. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) And it all stems from this idea of photography full-time for a few years. And when I started, I, I met a gentleman who lived in, well, his office was near my neighborhood. And so I went in and my wife and I had done some, uh, wedding photos and stuff with him. But his name is Mr. Graves. He was an older gentleman, had been doing photography like 20 plus years at that time. And when I told him I was interested in photography, he he was like probably some voice actors where, you know, someone's getting started. They got a mic and, you know, you know, you may look at them a little out of the side of your eye, like, okay, what's their angle or whatever? Well, he didn't shun me. He, He didn't push me away. He didn't throw me a, you know, some crazy line or anything. He took some time and tried to instill in me some values for the photography market and the fact that this is something that people do for a living. Yeah. And so right from the start, I had already been taught not to be that $300 guy for you know a $3,000 wedding. I was already taught that it's not okay just because I have a 40 hour a week job that pays my main bills for me to go out and undercut and, and destroy the market value of things that people do for a living to pay their mortgage. Right. So he took me to association meetings. He, he mentored me. He gave advice to me. He made referrals to me to other, you know, coaches or different ones. And so the reason I don't get into this whole, like, 
at the conference, I say that the only way you'll really offend me is if I see you talk down to somebody because they're just getting started. Mm -hmm. Everybody starts somewhere. Sure. And so that's a really sensitive area for me because I don't even like people calling people newbies. Because I'm like, what does, what does that mean? It's like, oh, they're a newbie. Normally it's used as a derogatory sure. kind of catchphrase. And I always say, you can be a beginner, you can be a novice. Because if I say you're a novice, what does that imply? That mm -hmm. you're just getting started, right? Mm -hmm. But you're on your way to mastery. If I said you're a beginner, it implies that you're at a stage mm -hmm. of development. It's not where you finish. It's just that you're beginning. Voiceover is a very unique industry in that most people coming into voiceover are not coming into voiceover as a first career. Yeah, good point. They're coming into voiceover as an alternative to something they've already done or they've completed, you know. Good point. So the reason that's important is because they generally bring something with them of value. Mm -hmm. It's just not voice acting experience. Yeah. What I try to get people to see is... If you spent the last 20 years in a hospital setting and you're open to the idea of maybe starting in medical narration, you actually have an advantage over somebody who's been in voiceover for five years mm -hmm. who's still trying to figure out medical terminology. Very good point. <laughs> because you can say things naturally that other people have to go check around and, and figure out. Right. Not to mention that if you made yourself a medical narration person, and on your website, you had a bio that said you spent 20 years in the medical field. Mm -hmm. Someone using medical narration sees you more as an expert. Well, that's, that's a very good point. Yeah. Than someone who just does medical narration. And, of course, much more likely to land the job. Sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I also really admire that you've been able to do is the bottom line is you've made it very successful in a place that could be challenged to have people come to. Um, and I just admire that a great deal. I, th I think it changes people's perception of Atlanta and it changes people's perception of, you know, of just what you're doing. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing in voiceover right now? Well, you know, I, I won't say they're necessarily voiceover trends as much as they are kind of people trends. One is, is that people are kind of getting over that idea that, that everybody's your competition, so to speak, and, and understanding that you can collaborate, you know, yeah. you can be complimentary of each other, things like that. So I do see trends in terms of people understanding that just like the Internet may have made your local market harder to crack, it also allows you to reach out into markets you ordinarily wouldn't have had a chance to get into because the communication goes both ways. So I think there's that trend that people are, are trying to be more supportive of each other. I think you see a trend where, you know, there's there's enough drama in the world that people are like, look, let's just keep it upbeat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, again, most of mine are, are kind of broad. Um, I, I'm very careful not to try to be a uh, voice over critic, per se, <laughs> uh, because that's not really my lane. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a platform provider and facilitator. And that's why you bring in the other people who will actually do that kind of stuff if it's appropriate. You know, one of the things that you, that you did with, with me that I thought was really interesting, I had sent to you a number of things that I could present. Absolutely. And you honed in right away on it's not your craft, that information of everybody thinks that it's what you do, uh, your skill, in this case it's voiceover, and really what is going to make a career, believe it or not, is not really that. And I threw it in just to like throw it in. And you're like, oh no, 
this is the kind of thing that nobody else is speaking about. Nobody else is talking about. This is a business presentation. It's like, well, yeah, I guess it is. But you honed in on that. And I don't know how you do it because track managing is a really big, right. difficult thing to do. And you're not track managing. You are actually managing the entire conference. You are choosing who speaks um, to some degree what they're going to speak about. How do you organize yourself to do that? Well, uh, I'll start by saying I've been very blessed and fortunate to have wonderful resources that have come on board over the years to contribute their skills. I mean, to put it in context, there are about 170 items on our agenda. Wow. Yeah, 170 items. There are over 200 hours of scheduled activity. Of scheduled altogether. activity. So, there, you know, that could be a three-hour workshop. It could be different things. But over 200 hours of scheduled activity that is represented in 170-plus line items on the schedule. So it's it's quite the challenge to do because inevitably there are going to be overlaps. So, you know, again, you, you start breaking it out and you think about the fact that you have more than 600 people going to different things. Sure. We do a program guide every year, which always forces us to really, really get into the weeds on it. We still have people who it fries their brains every year and they go, well, how am I going to get to everything? And the way I explain it, if you've ever gone to college and you had a course catalog given to you at the beginning of that quarter or semester, have you ever felt guilty that you didn't take all the classes? <laughs> That's uh, a good point. Probably not, right? Yeah, that that or, or an amusement so, uh, park, right? When you go to an amusement park, you, you figure out the things that are most important to go to and then everything yes. else that you get in as you can. Right. When you come to the conference, you should know, like, what is your major? What is the major thing ah, good. you want to get out of it? Is it audiobook? Yeah. Is it narration? Is it promo? Is it imaging? Is it, you know animation gaming then build your core schedule around that and then maybe if you've got something left yep. you just explore something maybe you just float around I mean, we don't lock you into a class or anything you can get up and, and walk into another session if you want and it's quite okay it's, it's what you want to make out of it and, and i use the phrase sometimes it's many conferences want experience. Well, you're sharing a human experience right and ultimately isn't that exactly. what we're trying to do when we communicate Exactly. See, now you're starting to See, catch up. See, and to now this I'm just even event. more and more upset with myself that I haven't gone. <laughs> yeah, it, and and I think that's that's the thing that really I think makes it unique and different is that the focus is not just a voiceover one; it's a people one. Yeah, I don't want you walking around the whole weekend asking people to listen to your demo. Right. Do your profile, load your demo in it, and then people can listen to your demo anytime they want. If I met you, Brian, I could just say, you know, Brian was a really nice guy. I really liked it. Why you know, does he sound so bad in his demo? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, who did this thing for him? I would have expected him to be a little better than that. Right. <laughs> but at least he didn't have to spend a bunch of time asking me to listen to it. See? See? <laughs> now, what am I going to do with all the cassettes I have sitting around? Damn it. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness, my goodness. Well, Gerald, this has been absolutely fun. Give me a website so that everyone knows where to go to find out what VoiceOver City is up to next and uh, to get that early registration in for next year's VO Atlanta. Well, anything about the conference, they can find at voatlanta.me. And so I'm going through doing some updates on it now. We've already done our early registration, which if this gives you anything as an indicator, 
over 250 people have already signed up for 2019. Wow. Just in the two weeks. So I only open it for two weeks after the conference ends. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. And, and to me, that's that's probably the biggest compliment, you know, people could give is when they say, hey, I haven't I haven't seen a presenter lineup. I haven't seen a program. I haven't seen the first thing about what you officially plan to do next year. But I trust it's you. all going to be worth it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So that's voatlanta.me. Yes, because it's all about you. <laughs> okay, so now I'm incredibly jealous and I feel yeah. a little silly for not have attending one before. I will certainly attend one in the future. But our time here is now expired. So we finish by saying, until next time, <laughs> Randall, BT, Gerald. What's up? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for being our guest. We really appreciate it. And uh, get out to voatlanta.me. Hey, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. I really do. Our thanks to Gerald Griffith, founder and executive producer of VO Atlanta. Visit voatlanta.me for more information. Let's Talk VoiceOver is hosted by Randy Ryan, owner of Hamsterball Studios, voice music and sound design. And me, Brian Talbot, voice actor and all-around creative guy. If you have any comments, questions, ideas for other show topics that you'd be interested in hearing about, or you just want to let us know what you think, you can always reach us by sending an email to bt at letstalkvoiceover.com or go to our website at www.letstalkvoiceover.com. That's letstalkvoiceover.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher so you don't miss an episode, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Our Twitter handle is at Let's Talk VO. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk VoiceOver. We'll talk again real soon. <laughs>